0: Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown, and, and this is, is the Open Hearth Cast. Three, two, one. Welcome to this week's episode of the Open Hearth Cast. Here in the workshop today with Tim Brown. How are you doing, buddy? Flippin' awesome, man. We've had a great day today. I think we've had a flippin' awesome day. Yeah, we
1: burned fi- some wood, burned some meat, or cooked it to perfection. For <laughs> a nice pork neck sakes. It was great. And, it was uh, really had good. had some good company, had some good friends around. Yeah. So I think it was, generally it was a fucking great day, actually.
0: It, it was, it was really great. It's nice to just chill out, especially after, oh, well, we didn't work crazy hard today, but I mean, we we did get some stuff done that was pretty important. and mm. Yeah. So, it's been a great day. Yeah. And, uh, Speaking
1: of important little things we are doing, um, what did you get today
0: Wow, sheep's knife? <laughs> <laughs> so, a good friend of ours, uh, Grant Stain, he um, wanted me to make him a kitchen knife, and we did a trade. Um, so, in return for the kitchen knife that I was making for him, um he was going to give me initially a post-vice, which I thought was a pretty great trade. But um, later on today, he said he thought he'd confuse me a little bit and give me the option of potentially giving me an anvil instead of the post-vice. Now, it's not a very big anvil, as you well know, but it's my first anvil, and I'll work my way up from there. Mm. So I've got officially my first anvil, 25 kilogram anvil in sweet condition, in flipping sweet condition. Mm. Um, so yeah, Tim just dressed up the size for me. Thank you, buddy. There's any time and made a flipping awesome stand for it as well today. Yeah, we fabric cobbled
1: what I call fabric cobbled you know, no design necessary. Um, nice three legged stand. I had some square tubing lying around and <laughs> just uh, slapped it together quickly. Um, I really enjoy like that design on the fly, like making stands and shit like that. Um, so yeah, tomorrow we'll just attach the wooden top to it.
0: Yeah. And make some straps for the anvil to hold it down. Yeah. And Trenton will be good to start forging. <laughs> just just to get some practice going in the meantime. It's mm. it's brilliant because I've got the forge now, and now to have an anvil is is just lovely. Now I can actually start practicing to. You know, to actually get some forging technique down.
1: And you know what we started the last time we recorded? Yeah, was actually a set of tongs. True. True. So now I'm thinking tomorrow we we have to break in the anvil stand. So, or well, probably not break. I don't know about my welding, but <laughs> just it, don't it
0: break like my anvil. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm more worried about the stand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think maybe we should just quickly finish off those tongs. Hmm. And then I think we'll 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 see if we get to it, but I'd like to forge a leaf on it.
0: Um, that would be a very cool first project.
1: project. We can make a little keychain or a, yeah. a, a neck pendant or something like that. Yeah. But I think that would be pretty awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, that would be
0: flipping on. awesome. Um, yeah. So so that that's something I'm very excited about. Uh, You know, the anvil, the stand Mm. for it and all of that. Mm. Because it's all good and well having an anvil. But if you don't have a a nice stand for it, it's you know, you can't really use it quite yet. Yeah. Or you can sit on the floor and forge, but it's not comfortable. It's not (laughs) comfortable. No, Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. And
1: this this morning when I picked up Trenton at Grant's place, uh, he said to me, I need your expert opinion because um, Grant put to me a... uh, a proposal on, instead of the, the post vise uh, giving me a small anvil, a 25 kilo anvil, and I said, take the anvil. Yeah. It, for me, it was no it was no choice, really, because <laughs> <Yeah. coughs> Trenton's already got quite a few vices in his shop, and the one thing he didn't have was an anvil. Yeah. So I thought, it's far better to get the anvil, and we can look at getting a post vice later. Yes. Because, yes. If
0: you have a post vice, you still can't forge because yeah. you've got nothing to eat on. <laughs> yeah, and it makes it makes a hell of a lot of sense in hindsight. But um I just wanted to make sure I had that made that right decision. Yeah, bearing in mind that he only had about three hours of sleep. Yes, yes. <laughs> which which was quite taxing. And during the bride <laughs> that we had this evening, I was pretty I was pretty knackered. <laughs> yeah, Trenton hit hit the wall and then I fed him copious amounts of coffee. Yes. And
1: uh, he, we are now on a roll I mean, it is now quarter past eleven in the evening, and I think we'll see how long this recording goes. <laughs> but it might be
0: another three part episode. Yes, <laughs> we're just giving you a warning for now. Yeah, yeah it it was um, it was it was a great chat with with Grant last night, but it went on for hours and hours and hours, and he's still buying ba- whiskey and bad tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. So, Tim, what, what projects have you been up to recently? So, I finished that kitchen knife set. Yeah.
1: Uh, I gave it to Sean Nuns on... Um, oh, is that for Sean? No, 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 I gave it to him to do... The, he oh. did a, a, a canvas, a cotton canvas roll for the all the knives. Right. And then the other two knives that were with the order... It uh, was another chef's knife, which he made a nice, uh, I wouldn't call it the sheath, it's more of an edge protector. And then he made, there was a hunting knife also, also in that vegan steel, stainless steel. Yeah. Um, then he made a sheath for. So I picked that up when I dropped off the other knives. Mm. And then I finished off those handles like I did the other ones. And they came out like super sweet. That's They're awesome. like A nice high gloss finish. Yes. Then I did. I finally finished the Damascus Hunter with the camel horse bone handles. Yes. And I worked up the courage to dome the pins because <laughs> it's like bone is 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 fragile, and you like hitting with a hammer on it. So I wrapped the handle in masking tape, and I made a a, a rivet header for the bottom to rest the pin on, so you're not hitting on the bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Trent will agree. I, that's one of my best knives I've made so far, I think.
0: Well, it's the best knife of yours that I've seen. Mm. Yeah. I I really like the style. It looks it looks mean and elegant at the same time. It's really, really cool. So, yeah, well done on that. Really, really great job. Yeah, and then I've
1: also got some new things. I've got the table I finished off, which we, I'm slowly organizing it. It's, it's a nice standing height to work at, um, because sitting and working is just kills my back, and the standing is actually really cool. And then a good friend of mine, Henny, um, who I'm slowly converting to the dark art of blacksmithing and bladesmithing, <laughs> um, he was here not long ago. Actually, the last time we recorded the episode, he came and he forged a hammer here um, before we recorded. Or after we recorded. After recording. After yeah. we recorded, yeah. yeah. And then um, he's led, kindly lent me his uh, MIG welder, which is MIG and stick welding. That's one of those high frequency inverters, so it doesn't it's DC, so it can't do aluminium. But that thing welds like a dream. Now we just need to find a CO two or an argon bottle so that we can use the MIG the MIG welding and that's going to make a huge difference in the shop um being able to weld properly and consistently i yeah. think is important absolutely absolutely
0: yeah man um i i think that uh one day when i'm mm. when i'm big mm. i'll 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 get a nice welding machine you know so yeah we'll we'll see about that one of these days one of these days. Yeah, One of these
1: days. For now, he can. He is more than welcome to come to my shop and I'll do the welding. Yeah, yeah. With this world it's actually a pleasure to weld. Yeah. You know, when you when you change the setting, something actually changes. Not like it's like, maybe I want to be at
0: this amperage, maybe I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, mm. I mean, and that's the thing about nice or new tools or well looked after tools, rather, Yeah. is that... When you use them, it's an absolute pleasure to work with them. Yeah, there's um, nothing worse than struggling. Oh no, it's 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 really it's it's no fun. Like you're not inspired to work. Mm. Um. Yeah, and then very soon I'm going to be helping Tim because Tim's done me a couple of good flip and solids. So mm. I'm gonna be helping Tim reorganize, re clean. Clean, clean, eh? clean is the most important is the, is the mm. operative word within this entire story. Mm. Um, yeah. We're going to clean up. We're going to make, because uh, I think that's important to have different mm. stations for different things. Um, mm. yeah, Niels is obviously very good at that. He's got mm. different stations for different applications. And yeah, um, yeah I, th- I think it just helps the productive, the, the productive side of things. And, yeah. and you're inspired to work. Yeah. You know?
1: oh, There's, Sometimes when I walk into the workshop, I've actually got to move stuff around and clean before I can actually start working, and it yeah. it kills your productivity. So, absolutely, one of the things I do definitely want to do is I want to put a cover on my flipping belt grinder mm. because working with steel is fine, but I've been making a few hammers lately, and the dust from the wood goes fucking
0: everywhere. Everywhere
1: everywhere yeah every nook and cranny yeah you're drinking ash dust for the next six months <laughs> <laughs> so <coughs> on um uh our good friend Michel Zwan, who's out in the middle of the sticks with a glorious view every morning he's got a, a box that he built over his yes. bell grinder mm. and it just it, it just settles the dust in one area, and it makes a huge difference, I think.
0: I think he's also got, a uh, like, a suction system on that as well. Yeah,
1: so my plan is to, to build a box around it, to collect it, mm. and then I will build something underneath that – Like a catch tray. A catch tray that I can put on yeah. when I'm working with wood and, like, G10 and, and stuff yes. that's not great for your lungs. Right. Um, and that can go into a vacuum – into a shop vac. Yes. Because that shop vac ideally is going to be situated, it's going to be on wheels now, so it can go squeak-squeak, not squeak-squeak, I must go squeak-squeak quickly. (laughs) Um, Because then I can put that onto the bandsaw, because the bandsaw also makes a lot of um, dead tree carcasses shavings. Um, And then I can just move it between there and it'll make a huge difference in the comfort levels in the workshop.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't, mm. I don't know about you. I I suffer a lot with hay fever and stuff like mm. that. And ever since I bought the respirator, I mean, it's, it's a no brainer, I mean, mm. obviously. But I mean, it, it helps massively. But the point here is the, mm. the more you can minimize dust mm. and there's always going to be dust. Yeah, there is always going to be dust. It's, it's a I mean, if I pick up my needle file on the table, you can see an outline. Uh, Yeah, the outline. But also,
1: I can just run it over my thing, and I can pick up a whole lot of. Yes, I can make iron. I can make my own steel if I just collect all this shit. (laughs) All my needle files become magnetic after a while. (laughs) I'm just such a hot magnet,
0: you know. Oh wow, (laughs) corner. Anyway, but yeah. So, so yeah. There's there's always going to be dust, but Mm. just in terms of minimizing that, I think Mm. it's. It's just great. It makes things a little bit more pleasant and mm. yeah.
1: And eventually when um, uh, when I'm a full time maker, because I'm I'm not officially a full time maker, but by at the end of September my tenure in full time employment in the in the formal sector will have ended. Yeah. And I will be full time maker there.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think, yeah. I think and then then I'll be getting another belt grinder and then what I can do is my fabric cobbled belt grinder. I think I can use almost exclusively for wood. Then. Um,
0: yeah, and then you can actually set that up to be even more, um, like, like it can collect dust even more. You can you can yeah. build a system around that that it collects dust a lot more efficiently. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which is great. Yeah, and then. Because the steel isn't so much of a problem because it generally just goes down. Right. And I have a catch bucket under the thing. But the wood, you know, it gets thrown everywhere. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: With the wet grinding, it's, mm. it's messy. Mm. And it sucks in winter. Mm. But it, I don't know, it, like, as I say, it is messy to some degree, but mm. it minimizes dust big time
1: yeah and I think then when i'm when I'm running two grinders I can have the one set up for wood mm. and other materials yes. and or handle materials and then the other belt grinder I can actually set up a wet system on it yes that I don't have then I don't have then I can grind all my blades wet if I want to yes, and that will also reduce the dust from the steel shavings and stuff hundred percent hundred percent
0: yeah yeah. Yeah, look, we, we've spoken about the pros and cons of wet, mm. grind, wet grinding. English, please. English. <laughs> English. No dumb yeah. No dumb here. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, mm. anyway, that, that we, we spoke about in episode one. But, yeah. yeah, so next question is, what are we looking forward to within the near future? And uh,
1: we got some... Very exciting news with this whole coronavirus, mm. the whole lockdown and shutdown and everything's been cancelled. And we got the great news this week from Niels Veneberg at Black Dragon Forge, the master, that the Brooklyn knife show for 2020 is going ahead. Yeah. And that is just for knife makers, I think it's that.
0: Oh, it's yeah. When I saw it, I was I was so happy. Yeah, I literally did a little dance in the workshop. I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" When I saw it, it was like, "Oh,
1: it's actually." Because you know the the psychological aspect of things is like there's almost like nothing to look. It's just the same daily grind. Yes, and um, with that popping up. It's actually, I think, for me and Trenton, um, it's giving us a, a major boost in terms of motivation because we're planning on sharing a table there. Absolutely, yeah. And we're going to have some, we will have some uh, open OpenHeartCast merch there. Yeah. And then we'll have some knives. I don't know how many, but we will have some knives. Yeah. So the best is you come on the Friday. The dates for the show are from the 4th, to the 6th of December, and it's at the Queen's Park Atrium in Brooklyn Mall in Pretoria. It is, besides the Guild show, the South African Knife Makers Guild, it is the biggest knife show in South Africa. Um, And it attracts most of the top makers throughout the country. Um, And it's both bladesmiths and stock removal guys, the Mm. vegan guys. And uh, I think it's a blast. I mean, anything organized by Niels Berg. It's is always brilliant.
0: a stunner.
1: It's always a stunner. And uh, every time I've been there and displayed uh, it's been a blast. it's it's really, and it's it's not about selling the knives, really. Um, we're there to show your work and you get to see guys you haven't seen for a while, you get to see other guys work and you pick up inspiration and Small little things, and it's. I think it just it helps build a camaraderie between the different life
0: makers as well. Absolutely, and it also gets you out of your own head in a way because, mm. like you, you, like it's a it's a lonely job, you know. Mm. You you go into the workshop, mm. you flip and work, and you get stuff done. Mm. And depending on the type of person that you are, it it can either bother you or not bother you. Mm but um i think that it's it's just a great place because i always walk away from places like that super inspired mm. and wanting to do better and wanting to do more and wanting to try new things and just being able to speak to different makers that mm. are masters in different different uh, aspects, aspects or yeah different styles or different styles yeah it's it's incredible, and you mm. pick up so much knowledge, so many ideas, so many, and you, and you get to see some really,
1: really cool shit. Yeah, I mean, the last time I was there, I wasn't there last year, but 2018, um, Alan Mitchell from, uh, he's a Knifemaker Guild, he had a rapier he had made. Wow. Oh, yeah. my word, that thing was gorgeous. Yeah, I bet. The 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 um, basket on that thing was stunning and it's like, <clears throat> I'm actually, I'm going to make a knife I don't think I can make. I think I'm going to challenge myself to make at least one knife that I think is beyond my skill level. Right. Um. Because we've got we to gotta live on the edge, eh? I mean, we're knife makers. After all. Yeah. Yes. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> So we, we've
0: got to try and uh, push our skill levels. I love that. Just <laughs> um, make a flipping sticker. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Yeah. I oh, love it. Yeah, so, so yeah, guys, uh, Brooklyn Show, give us the dates again. It, it's, to, it's the 4th to the 6th of December. Yeah. And uh, it's at the Queen's Park Atrium in Brooklyn Mall. It's an absolute blast. Make sure that you guys are there if you can make it. It would be awesome to meet you all. Um, and yeah, we as as Tim said earlier, we're going to be sharing a table. We're going to have some of our stuff on display and some. We're just going to be doing a little bit of advertising for the Open Hearth Cast. We're also going to be interviewing different makers um, throughout the the entirety of the show. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be a very special, um, episode yeah. uh, where we can give back in terms of exposure. Exposure. Yeah. Yeah. That's sorry. I, I lost, I lost the English there for a English. second. <laughs> so, yeah. so giving back in terms of giving some exposure to different knife makers and mm. also putting ourselves out there a little bit and, mm. and just showing people what it is that we're doing. Yeah. Um,
1: and I'm actually, uh, you know, with, I've got a, quite a few project knives that I'm busy with, but with all the orders I've been having to finish and not being as productive as I want to be, I haven't even, the only time I've touched them is to move them on the table.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like those knives Mm. that just sit on the table and they look Mm. at you and they're like, when are you going to finish me? And you're like, Uh, ah. Yeah, shut <laughs> yeah. when <We're> <laughs> <not> I go? Oh, <away. laughs> uh, yeah. But, but when you start start flipping working on them, you get mm. in that zone and then mm. things move quickly. And then, like, yeah. two or three days later, you're like, wow, mm. this thing came out flipping just.
1: Yeah, because, you know. uh, <coughs> sorry, I'm developing a bad cough, neck <laughs> It's the drugs. Um, the dag I'm busy with, mm. uh, I've got a I've got a beautiful piece of, um, resin fold uh, tree, which I'm gonna do the handle with that, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna do a spiral like I did on that uh, sword I did in the five day sword challenge.
0: Okay, I'm not so I'm uh, not sure if I saw that what mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure if I saw that. Which the sword the sword that you made, yeah. I've
1: got it here. Let, let me getting it before I rip my ear off.
0: Take yeah. the out, because oh, that was uh, with uh, Jacques Mr. Mungus. Jacques Mangus. Mung- yeah. Yes. Oh right, yes, this one. Yes, 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 yes. It's a stunner.
1: I need to clean up the blade a bit. Actually. Okay, I know
0: you guys can't see this, but it's got this. Really beautiful basket, r- hilt. basket hilt that it's it's been forged really really beautifully. Yeah. And it's got fluting on the handle and copper, copper wire. Yeah, copper wire yeah. Yeah. yeah, copper wire inlay. Um running in a spiral mm. parallel to the, the not not parallel, um in line with the, the flutes. Yeah. Um lovely. Yeah, very, very nice, nice pommel. Oh, octagonal pommel. Octagonal. That must have been a really hard grind. No, it wasn't. Really?
1: No, the, the, what I did was, because it's, a, it's, it's tapped, yeah. I started off with a, a round cylinder mm. and then I marked the center of it, obviously because I drilled a hole in it, and then I scribed a circle around and I, I marked out the octagon on the, on the circle. Right. And then I ground it to an octagonal cylinder shape. Wow. Okay. Then while it was on the platen, uh, while I had my my rest on, then I took uh, a piece of threaded bar and screwed it in. And then I did the radius on the bottom, the convex curve on the bottom with the use of the threaded bar to get a nice turn on it. Okay. And then for the convex grind above it, where it goes in, Mm. I did that on my bottom wheel of my platen. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. But what it taught me is is marking out properly and grinding to the lines. Right, right, right. And then doing it step by step by step.
0: Yeah, I think I think. Look, I'm just talking out of pure ignorance here, really. But um, I think planning is super duper important when mm. it comes to all mm. aspects of knife making, but especially with something like mm. that. I mean, for for me personally, that is very complex to pull off. Um, so well done, mm. buddy. That yeah. is a beautiful, beautiful sword.
1: I think I might even, ta- I think I'll take it to the Brooklyn show because I'm not selling it. Yeah. It's it's going to, be we're going to put um, my name, my dad's name, uh, my brother's name, my son's name on the blade. And we're going to keep it as a, like a family heirloom.
0: I think that's a stunning idea. Yeah.
1: I, I was originally half tempted to sell it. And then my wife said, no, because my design put input on this sword was the pommel. The rest was from, uh, I looked for pictures of swords and things, and then my boss, the wife, decided on everything else. Uh, she said, no, the blade must look like that, right? No, the hilt must, uh, the the basket must look like this. And the fluting on it was her idea of the handle as well. And basically, I just had a choice of what pommel to put on the end. The rest was all decided by the boss because
0: she's right. Yeah. And she is. It looks stunning. It looks absolutely stunning. Mm. So I'm getting tired of holding this Just now because it, I'm, I feel like I'm going to break it. Um, but yeah, it's mm. that's a really complex thing to pull off. And yeah. you did that in 48 five, hours. Five? No, five days. Oh, was it a five-day challenge? Mm. I was thinking, my God, 48 hours, that is crazy. Yeah, I, I could probably, if I did it again, I could probably do it
1: in two days. Okay, but wow. the, the, because I've worked through the process now, yes, it's the same as with with the the where this all started was the the 48 hour dagger ball that Niels organised mm. because uh, Stuart was going through a bit of a dip and and they were chatting on a live stream. They just only really had the hangouts and things. Yes, and I, I'd heard about the 48 hour dagger build and uh, I said on the live stream. to said to Niels and Stuart because Stuart was on. I said. Let's just do a flippin' 48-hour bold. Yeah. Because it'll give Stuart something to get his mind on making something for himself. Yes. And it was flippin' awesome. And that's actually how me and Trenton started talking, you know, more. Yeah. After he didn't order an <laughs> iPhone.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to keep that one on for eternity. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. You, yeah. Um, I'm actually glad I didn't have to make a knife for him, and he's making his own laugh because yeah. we wouldn't have had this podcast if it wasn't for that.
0: And it well, was it's t- arguable, but mm. it's possible. Yeah, mm. yeah, um, yeah. Because I think I think we got to to really know one another over the the hangouts while yeah. we were showing off our my shitty letter opener and your flipping just dagger, dagger that you made. Yeah. Um, but it was a really cool mm. experience because mm. you got to. You got to feel like, especially as a new maker, yeah. um, you got to feel like you were part of something mm. bigger and exciting. And I felt sort of privileged to be invited to take part in this. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was a great experience. It kicked my ass. Yeah, It really kicked my ass. And and that's the whole,
1: I think, why, why Niels does it maybe once or twice a year. The, the whole point is that you've you got to... Challenge your skill levels. You've got to do yeah. something you don't think you can do. Yeah. And you have to put a time limit on it. Yes. Because otherwise, you put it off and you put it right. off. Right. And he uses it to, to to fine-tune his skills. Yes. Because that dagger he built was fucking stunning. And you know what? It's he did it in 48 hours. Yeah. The next one he does, he'll be able to do in a day. Because he, he's, he's figured out the process of it.
0: And, and and this is this this kind of goes back to what Grant and I were talking about the other day, um, about, and it was it was about the the first kitchen knife that I made. Because I was so scared of making mistakes, I basically asked Jack to hold my hand through the entire process. Mm. But then you gain a little bit more confidence and you're like, you know what, I can do this. I can do this stuff. I can pull it off. And then you start getting a little bit risky and you're like, I want to try something new here. And mm. But you end up sometimes pulling it off. Mm. And then you start thinking more about the order of operations. And you're thinking,
1: you think more about... What skills, are, or how can I push it just a little bit more to get yes. it just a little bit better? Yes, yes. Um, and I think that's the whole point. I mean, the kitchen knife you made for Grant, that handle, the whole, you know, the, the shape of the blade is is, is really nice. I, I like that choil area, that little curl you got at the back. Yeah. And the handle he did, he filed that, the chamfer, the angles on it, and man, i I haven't held a knife like that in it that was that comfortable for a, I, I really haven't held a knife that shape and it is it was super comfortable i mean even when you go to the pinch grip yeah it just it it your hand and it are one it's it's not like you're picking up a plank you know it 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 just feels like it's supposed to be the knife then becomes an extension of your arm right. Well, thank you, buddy.
0: That that means a lot to me. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a huge uh, experiment, and it and I'm very happy that it turned out well. Mm. There's obviously guys who are pulling that sort of style off so well, mm. but yeah, it was. I mean, I spoke to Jack about it, and I just said to him, "Give me some perspective here." Mm. You know how much how much better is this than the last one? He's like, no, much better. I'm like, mm. okay, there we go, there we go. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, because
1: I mean, on this one, you did the majority of the grind. I think Jack just helped you clean up on the 400 yes. grit. Yeah, and then most of the other stuff you did by yourself without Jack
0: holding your hand, which yeah, I look, is I had to do absolutely, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I obviously still call Jack uh, mm. when I need help on certain things and. Um, and there's still mistakes that I made in that process, but I was able to fix them and get past mm. them. Mm. Um, but if you if you keep holding onto your your um, Mentor. mentor's apron strings, mm. like you're never gonna get anywhere. Yeah. You know? So, you know, you you've been taught now. Mm. Now it's do it. Mm. And I think that's what
1: Jack's done a lot with everything he's taught you. He's He's taught you up to a point where the only way to improve is, is time his the time and job this time yeah and Jack has the patience to you know go over things however many times is necessary mm. he may have to beat you a few times around the head
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I'm sure sometimes he does want to beat me but um but yeah it's mm. uh it's great like you 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 it's a very um sort of overwhelming thing in the beginning mm. But then you start sort of understanding things and finding your way. Mm. And then you do things and then you're like, oh, yes, that's going to fuck it up. Okay, so mm. let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, a simple thing like boiling vinegar in a aluminum kettle. Mm. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I only realized after I'd put the blade in that it was a bad idea. But mm. H came out well. And oh. I was happy with it. So, oh, yeah. I left it. But now oh. I know for next time, mm. don't do that shit. Yeah.
1: Stainless steel, uh, boss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was going to go somewhere, but then squirrels.
0: Yeah, squirrels. They're abundant, eh? Yeah. Need yeah a old, shotgun.
1: A shotgun. <laughs> with a big barrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fago, a <little> big one.
0: Gatling <laughs> gun.
1: Oh, well. um, oh, yeah. Uh, my appy. For the guy I'm teaching. Um I've been doing a bit of Mr. Miyagi work with him. So the first time he came here, I made him hand sand some vegan steel. Yes. And uh stainless steel and You're a bastard, eh? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> I had I had shit to do and I had blades to yeah. finish. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. what was nice is I had a flatter to finish for um Jason at anvils.ca.z and uh so I finished that off quickly and then I jumped on to hand sanding and it gave us time to chat and talk and get to know each other. Um, he bought an knife from me probably about three years ago. Um, and he he uh, does specimen carp fishing and I also did that at the stage. So we had some bonding and then um Nils on one of his blade talk things, he said, what's your biggest holdup?" up? And uh, mm. Gavin, Gavin said he's, he needs a mentor or someone to teach him. So I said, I knew who he was, and I said to him, "My workshops always open. You're more than welcome to come here, and I'll I'll show you a few tricks that I know. And it's not very many, but so yeah, we started with hand sanding, and then the next time he was here, I had the forge on because I had uh, another guy who I like, taught how to make tongs. He came over to forge a flatter. Um, so uh, Gavin forged some. I taught him the Niels Berg process of forging tips, or one of the methods. Yes. So he forged a whole lot of tips because, you know, that repetition just to get comfortable with it. Right. And those blanks we've saved now. And then on Thursday he was here again and he started doing the bevels. He did two bevels. Right. Um, so we're going to do the bevels on those. It's all mild steel. So there's not much point in, in you know, really making an knot. But yeah. it's good practice. So Yeah. next stage after the bevels is then forging the handle out and then from there we'll take those same pieces onto the grinder and teach the grinding.
0: I think that is an extremely good way to go about it especially and even for myself I Mm -hmm. mean I I want to now that now I've got a freaking anvil Yeah, I've got no fucking excuse so (laughs) so now I can start doing that and I think I mean especially in the in the learning process Mm -hmm. Taking mild steel, mm. I don't know, it's arguable, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I think that forging out tips on mm. steel that you can't necessarily make a knife out of, but mm. it's still steel, it reacts very Similar. much the same way, yeah. and, uh, and you do maybe 10 tips. Ten you tips, you yeah. forge 10 tips, <clears throat> and then you forge the bevels, and then you forge the tang, but it's repetition over and over and mm. over, so you do all the tips, then you forge all the bevels, and you do and then you grind mm. i would, like that's brilliant
1: yeah and, and that that i picked up from niels because niels when he started out he wanted to learn how to grind so he would spend two hours a night just grinding mm. the bevels and he did the same thing with forging tips he learned a couple of different methods for forging tips and he practiced each one just forging the tips and in those same pieces he practiced Drawing out the toil and drawing, uh, forging in the bevels, and then he practiced forging the tang. That's why uh, he can do he can forge a hunter that he does on his course with six heat cycles. So heating up, heating up, and beating six times, and the knife is forged, and then it's just cleaning up on the grinder basically, um, and that just comes from the repetition. Yes. And knowing, working out how to move the steel to where you want it to be,
0: and being efficient with the time that you spend
1: on the anvil. Yeah, and also because it's, um, because it's not strictly going to ever become a knife. Um, you're less inclined to be worried about fucking up.
0: Yeah, right. I
1: mean, it's a piece of mild steel. Right, you know? right, right. So it ta- it gives you, it helps you build your confidence without wor- having to worry about don't fuck it up don't need it too cold don't need it too hot yes yes um so it's a good it's a good it's a
0: very good learning experience absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. and i think i've i've got that uh, that piece of 1075 mm-hmm. a copy mm-hmm. still at jack's place yeah and um yeah i might no i think i'm going to forge that under jack's watchful eye yeah yeah yeah.
1: It's a copy still. You yeah. have to do it under Jack's eye because yeah. that's a that's a seriously nice piece of steel. Yes. I've got I've got two pieces of it. Yeah. That one piece I'm gonna save for my guild knife. Okay. Um, because part of the guild entry for a bladesmith is one of the knives has to be a plain carbon with a hamon without an edge. So you've got to you can't you can put an etch finish in, but you lose you lose points. Um so you have to polish that blade to get that hamon to come out um without etching. You can't leave an etch. You could leave an etch, but so you like don't a want to,
0: like a ghost hamon kind of like thing.
1: a ghost hamon. You okay. must be able to see the hamon right. on the blade without, you know, a microscope. Right. So it's gotta be visual. Right. So I'm saving that one piece for that. The other piece... It's going to be a shitload of hand sanding. Mm, yeah, it's going to be yeah. a shitload of hand sanding. But the other piece I've got, I can probably forge 2 Pucos size uh knives out of. Okay. So I'll see what I'm going to do with it. Maybe I'll make a small, like a mini Bowie type thing, like uh, what Stuart calls his gentleman or vest Bowie. Okay. Sort of like a, a six to eight six to eight inch blade. Okay. Um what's the
0: thickness that, of that steel
1: it's 10 more 10 more wow yeah. okay yeah so it's it's a That's s- awesome what's what's nice is i got it from another knife maker martin um he had a piece he had pieces of oak copy that he had um knives cut out of uh profiled out of with the uh, laser laser cut so the off cuts um, because I forge, I can forge them into a knife-shaped right, object. Yeah.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Um, you can't cut another blank out of it, but yeah. you can forge. You can forge a knife out of it. Yes, yes. So those I'm saving for the big piece. I'm saving for the the guild. Yeah. Um, because it's one of the knives you have to do, and the other knives, the other knife you have to do is a cut and bend knife. it's similar to the the ABS specs. And then the other knife you have to compulsory knife you have to do is a symmetrical dagger out of your own Damascus with a minimum of I think 180 layers or something like that. I can't, don't quote me on it. I'll have to go do my research again. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's filed on the, on the corrupt sector of my brain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I mean. Just, I mean, I, th- I think, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know a whole lot about it, but mm-hmm. I think there is, if I'm not mistaken, a stock removal uh, uh, section for, yeah, there's, for, the, there's,
1: for the guild. There's, there's basically three sections you can get into the guild. Okay. Uh, the first one is, the, mo- the the best one to do whatever is is bladesmithing because it's a real way to make knives. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. So there's the bladesmithing option. Yes. Yes. And all of them have to be fixed blades. Okay. Right. The other option is a fixed blade stock removal. Um, And they also have certain, they they have one compulsory knife, which is a, there's two designs of a dagger. One is a boot dagger. And then another one is a dagger, which is a Kevin Harvey design. Mm. (coughs) And then, um, so that's straight fixed blade. Mm. Then the other option is, a straight folder, and you you're allowed to have spring back, I think, or a slip joint. You can't have a friction folder, so it has to be a slip joint. Okay. Or and you have to make uh, locking blades. Okay. And you have to use at least two different methods of locking the blade. One, wow. So so you have, So one can maybe be a liner lock. Okay. The other can be a, a back lock or a frame lock or something like that. So they have to be different locking. Two knives have to have a different locking mechanism.
0: Okay, so you can't use the same locking mes- mechanism on the, or, both or of the five, folders. Yeah. Now, if you doing, you've got to do five knives. Okay. So if you're doing lock folders,
1: you can't all of all of them can't be frame lock. Okay. So okay. one of them can be frame lock. One can be back lock right. or. um uh, a, f- uh, a frame or a, a frame or a what's the other one, man? You can see we don't make a whole lot of folders, eh? Yeah, I know <laughs> we don't make broken knives. Uh, frame lock and liner lock. There we go. Frame lock, <laughs> lock. liner lock. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And then Sorry, is, I, I,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then also in the stock removal section, you can also do a combination of fixed blade and folder yeah but then you have to have two different locking mechanisms on your folder okay on two folders have to have different locking mechanism you have to make the compulsory dagger then as well okay. whether it's the boot dagger or the the Harvey dagger right. and then two other knives Wow but it, it's a it's a seriously uh, I would say it's a seriously difficult uh, criteria to pass because all five of your blades, have to give a minimum of 75 percent wow and they mark everything on the knife and you also have to have a sheath so they check you on your sheath as well so you can make your five knives and you can get 100 percent for four of your knives and one knife is a 74 when you don't make the guild wow yeah so it's a strict entry criteria um it's and only, it
0: has to be, otherwise it doesn't mean.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's just a club and yeah. it means nothing. Yeah. And and the benefit of the guild is that every guild member uh, has to maintain a certain quality level. And at any time they can, if your quality drops, they can ask you to make your five entry knives again and be judged again. Right. And also if you get a whole lot of complaints about the quality of your work, they can actually suspend your membership.
0: Which is right.
1: Yeah, because it's a, it's sort of a quality guarantee. Yes. And if you have a knife that's got a guild certificate, it means so much more. Yeah. Because that's a lifetime guarantee. If anything goes wrong with that knife, they can take it back to you. And if you can't fix it, you have to remake it, basically. Yes, yes. So it's, it's kind of uh, maintaining
0: a standard. And and it also gives more value to you as a maker as mm. well as the price point that you can argue mm. with mm. with people and uh, your potential clients.
1: Just to give you a perspective, Niels, when he joined the guild, right, he'd been making knives for quite a few years then. Um, and he decided... I think it might have been after he got the journeyman smith. Okay. And he decided he had knives to submit, so he submitted to the guild. And the very first knife he sold at the guild show, which is the biggest, it's the most prestigious knife show in in Africa. Um, The guy who bought it only buys from guild members. The guy knew who Niels was, he knows the knives Niels has made, but he never ever looked at Niels's knives until he was a guild member. And he walked up to Niels' table, saw a knife he liked, and he asked Niels, what's the price? Niels said X amount, which was a shit ton of money. And the guy said, Okay, I'll take it. There was no haggling on price or mm. anything like that. So it's just next level. And the South African Knife Makers Guild, I think, is the second oldest guild. In the world, serious, only second to the American Bladesmith Society. Wow, yeah, wow, I didn't know that. Mm. And it's it's probably besides ABS, it's it's one of the most recognized worldwide. So to have that under your belt, yeah, is it's, makes a big statement.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, it speaks it speaks a lot to the, the quality of your work, obviously. Mm. And the dedication to your work absolutely, absolutely. Because to get to that point where you're accepted mm. into the guild, it like that's that's not quick sticks. Mm-mm. That's definitely not quick sticks. Like you spend many, many thousands of hours Mm-mm. perfecting yeah. different aspects of knife mm. making.
1: And I mean, uh, one of the newest members is Jean Wilker. Okay. And uh, he was stressing because I mean he, he's done a few courses with Kevin and Heather and uh, he sent his his submission knives off to Kevin and Heather to have a look at before he submitted because you know it's a big thing to to put your, your work under scrutiny from fellow knife makers yes. because we know I can pick up a knife I can tell you uh, from my limited experience I can spot all the mistakes. Mm. Or well, most of them right. that I know about, right? But you give it to a guild member. Oh, yeah. And they don't like just look at a knife. Uh, Kevin will take out a fucking micrometer, not a vernier a micrometer, and he will measure. And he'll check that your edge is dead center. He'll check your edge thickness to see that it's right based on the type of knife it is. Right. So it's 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 serious scrutiny. I mean, yeah. Uh, for instance, on a plain steel blade. So, whether it's stainless or or carbon steel, the highest point you can get for the finish on the blade is a mirror polish. That's 10 points. Right? But if there's one scratch on that mirror polish, no, boss. Uh. Zero. On Damascus, if you have the highest point you can get is a Blued finish, okay. Uh, hot blued, and then you polish it so that the nickel uh, steel is yes. silver. Yes, that's the highest finish. That's the highest point you can get for a Damascus blade. Okay. If it's just an etched finish in ferric chloride, the most you can get is eight. So you already lose two points. Yeah. 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 So it, it's a seriously scrutinized thing, and and justly so. I mean, they yes. want to maintain
0: that standard. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, that's something that eventually one day I want to also get into, but it's going to take time for me mm. to get there. And um, mm. yeah, I mean, we'll mm. we'll see where this journey takes us. But mm. um, it's fun in the meantime. It's fun as hell, and I'm I'm seriously <laughs> seriously looking forward to the to the Brooklyn Life show. Yeah. It's, it's going to be incredible. It's going
1: to be super awesome. Super, super awesome. And, and the whole thing about what I come back to on this podcast is we're busy sharing a journey of people. Mm. So it's it's not just mine and and Trenton's journey, um, whoever we have on the podcast. I mean, we had our, our midweek madness two weeks ago, and we had Henning and, and Gareth Wilkinson.
0: That was awesome. That was, <laughs> that was, a, that a, was blast. a blast. <laughs> I loved
1: it. Uh, to have them on, so we're trying to to share a journey, share a story, um, and that's that's actually how we got to the the name of the podcast. Was you know in the old days before electricity, you know when men were men and sheep were nervous, <laughs> uh, the old houses used to have an open hearth, which was like a fireplace in the normally in the middle of the room. It <coughs> was a chimney that went through the, the top of the roof, and that was where the family met, and that's where they told the stories, and uh, right. the things were passed on generation to generation. Yeah. And originally, w- one of the ways of making steel was in a open hearth furnace. Mm. Um, so that's where we got the open hearth cast from. And also... Uh, traditional blacksmith used to normally refer to the forge as the hearth. It's the hearth of the shop. Um, so that's how we came to the name.
0: Yeah, I mean, mm. I mean when you first sent it to me, mm. I was a little bit apprehensive about mm. it. But then when I looked into the meaning, mm. I was like, wow, okay, because that's just, yeah. It's, it's,
1: although this is mostly knife-related uh, or knife-making, we we want to talk about bushcraft because yeah. Trenton is a bushcraft guru and I know...
0: Oh, I wouldn't say guru. I know a little bit about it, but uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Well, he's he's working on my bushcrafting skills, so um, <laughs> I can now hand roll a cigarette without the... the <laughs> that is <yet>.
0: definitely bushcrafting.
1: <laughs> so the next part is I need to learn how to make a friction fire to light a cigarette or make a fire because if you don't have a lighter, cigarettes help you nothing. You yeah. Know? And yeah. if you don't have toaster, toaster or, yes. or stove... it's a
0: problem. Yeah. I have I have lit many a cigarette in the Western Cape because I had left my lighter up at the top of the flipping hill <laughs> in my rendezvous, and I was too lazy to walk back, and it was less effort for me to make a friction fire set mm. and light a cigarette like that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's... It's neither here nor there, but it's it's a it's a very gratifying thing to make fire mm. with friction. I mean a lot of the guys take the piss out of you and they're like, Yeah, I've got a lighter and I'm like, it's cool, but what happens if you lighter fucks out? Yeah. Then you're
1: fucked.
0: Yeah. You know? And and it's it's more about trying
1: to maintain a, a type of tradition.
0: Yeah. It, it's and, like and also appreciation for the fact that we do have fucking lighters. Yeah.
1: And, and they we do we have gas stoves or electric yeah. stoves or, um, it's just, I think getting back a bit to nature. Yeah. And I mean, I, I enjoy making knives, but I also enjoy just making stuff. Uh, so making a fire is a, is an important part of, of our, our history. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we didn't learn how to make fire and cook meat. Exactly. So
0: for me, like, like a fire is such a it's such a morale boost even mm. when you're alone out in the bush it doesn't mm. feel so alone if you've got a fire.
1: my my best friend from school his dad when he was in the army back in the day before you know just after the ox wagons went over the mountain, he did a survival course and the instructor said to them in the when in they did in the theory work he said, the first thing you do when you're alone in the bush is you light a fire because then there's at least two of you. Yeah.
0: And it does feel like that. It is a yeah. sense of company. Mm. Um and to 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 be able to like understand what properties you're looking for within mm. different materials to be able to make a good friction fire set mm. and then make it and and make it successfully, and you nurture this little ember Mm. into eventually a raging fire. Yeah. It's such a a gratifying feeling, Mm. and I don't think anybody can really understand that until they, they feel that feeling.
1: Yeah. It's the same as when, like, if I'm making something, you know, like making that anvil stand today. Yeah. That was, for me, was so much fun, because it reminds me a lot of when when I was growing up, you know, um, my best friend Brad from school, his dad taught me a lot about fabric cobbling and my dad taught me a lot about making stuff because, you know, we didn't always have the money to buy all the the fancy shit. I mean, we built a granny flat in our backyard. I mean, fuck, I mixed cement and threw bricks and plastered and learned all that. And then when my friend's dad, when they bought their first farm, I helped them build the house. I helped them with the fencing. And it's like that, that sense of achievement that you've actually Absolutely. contributed.
0: Absolutely. 100%. And I
1: built two houses for his dad or helped with two houses. But I've never put a roof on there because I'm away that fucking weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't climb up fucking high on a wall and fucking put <laughs> rafters and yeah. sheets of roofing on. No, fuck that. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's 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 definitely like we we find a lot of gratification in creating. Mm. I mean, useful in, things. Useful things, yeah. yeah. Practical things. Mm. Um, and there's there's definitely a sense of. I mean, when you go out into the bush, it's you can feel at home in the bush, mm. depending on how much knowledge you have mm. and and all of those things. You you can definitely feel at home in the bush, but mm. when you're setting up camp especially mm. in a more sort of bushcraft sort of way. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with with modern camping. Yeah. But you, you're constantly making improvements to your camp. Mm. You're making pot hangers systems, cooking systems. Mm. Um, and it's just a very relaxing and therapeutic and sort of close to nature type of yeah. vibe. Back to your roots. Back to your roots. And... and I mean that's the way I grew up is mm. in Quisina Natal we, we we didn't have a whole lot. So we had I had a my brothers and I grew up with catties and pocket full of stones mm. and a pen knife. A pen knife. That was it. Yeah. And that's what you did. Yeah. That's what you did. Those mm. were your toys and that's what you played with and mm. if you shot shit you weren't supposed to shoot You got into cock. You got into cock and your catty got taken away. Yeah oh, well, my
1: with my friend Brad Whatever we shot or whatever we killed, we had to eat, so we shot lots of rabbits, uh, lots of pigeons. The only thing we didn't have to eat were starlings because they were a pest, yeah, yeah, but uh, learning that respect for nature as
0: well i mean and and this is the thing about um bushcraft I mean when you think about survival, it's more like you, in my opinion, in my opinion, it's more like you fighting against nature to be able to survive. Mm. And bushcraft is a more sort of. It's not survival, and I get that. It's more of a living with nature. Living with nature, but it's like you get a much greater understanding of how to work with nature because you understand it. Yeah. And, and in it- the course of that, you, you're you now able to, even if you're in a different environment where you don't have the woods to make friction fire, you don't know if this wood's going to work for that. You can look for certain properties within woods in that area and you can pull off a friction fire because you know what to look for. Mm. And that's really important. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I don't know what to look for. I know you need to make something called a bird's nest and then you need to put a hot ember in there and blow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very not, rough not, breakdown. <laughs> yeah, and, and not blow like a taiwoka, but yeah. blow, blow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and on this whole bushcrafting, drafting, uh, me and Trenton and our better halves and our friend Henny, we are actually going... Camping in two weeks. Exactly. So we our, our next episode will be recorded around a campfire. And the bosses have said the only re- way we can record a podcast is they are part of it.
0: We're still going to discuss that.
1: I don't know if we have a choice in the matter.
0: Well, I, I think Chantal likes me enough to be able to to dispute the the or, or discuss the topic rather. <laughs> <laughs> discuss the topic yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, it's definitely gonna be a lot of fun. Tim mm. and I have uh, and and Henny, yeah. we are planning on doing a little bit of fishing and and I've got a worm farm, so I'm going to bring a shit ton of worms. Yeah. And we're going to get some live bait and, and see what we can catch. If we don't catch anything, hell, it was therapeutic and we got to drink a couple of beers over yeah. it. So. so we're either going to go fishing or we're going to go angle. And yeah.
1: is you must your glass where you can <laughs>
0: <laughs> But yeah, so yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. And I think it's, it's going to be a stunner of a weekend. Yeah, because I mean with this
1: whole lockdown and things, I mean, I've had jeez, I've had a rough fucking, since December. I mean, Trent will know the story, but yeah, it's been a rough ride since December and yeah, it's I think we, we, we need that gap away from home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, even if it's just to drink a few beers, make a fire, burn some meat, maybe catch fish. Yeah. It's just uh you need that that reset absolutely um just just to gain some perspective you know mm. it gives you time away from everything to, to refocus on on what's important
0: you know that's it's an interesting topic that you just brought up there because there's a lot of negativity behind this whole corona thing and it's obviously it's affected many people in mm. various ways mm. um and I'm not saying that it's a good thing. Mm. But what I am saying here is that it helps us to rethink about how our life is structured mm. and how we should maybe look at becoming a little bit more self-reliant yes. as well as the fact that we need to appreciate what we have when we have it. yeah, Because it can be gone in, yeah. in a matter of days.
1: Yeah, I mean... Know? The amount of lives that have been changed <clears throat> by this pandemic is…
0: The amount of lives that have been taken as well.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's, it's kind of like the, the, the Spanish flu of 1918. It's it's a bit of a wake-up call to think, you know. You, you have to reevaluate what is what is important. Yeah. You know, there's an analogy where, I think it was a psychology lecture, he said, your life is basically a glass jar. <clears throat> and then he took uh, like a handful of rocks, and he filled the jar with rocks. And he asked the class, is the jar full? And they said, yes. So then he took a whole lot of smaller pebbles, and he put them in the jar, and you shake it, and you put some more pebbles in, and you shake it. And then he asked the class, is it full? And he said, said, yeah, oh, no, now it's full. And then he took sand, and he put sand in the jar. And you shake it, and you fold it up, and he said to the class, is it full now? And they said, yes, no, now it's full. And then he took a beer, and he poured the beer into the jar. I've seen this, it's brilliant. And then he said to the class, is it full? And they said, yeah, now it's full. Said, right, yeah, now it's full. So the moral of it is, the big rocks, or the big stones, is your most important things. That's your family, and your job or your career or your vocation. That's the important stuff. The pebbles are like friends, acquaintances, hobbies, things like that. Yeah. And the sand is like... All the other shit. It's all the other shit. And the beer is just a reminder that there's always room for beer. Yeah
0: yeah, yeah. True. it was a, it was a brilliant video I saw that and I watched it a couple of times because yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense
1: and 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 the, the thing <coughs> is also the order in which you put the things in so yeah if you've got sand in there you can't put your big rocks in you there can't you have the important things in your life you if they're out they they can't get back in absolutely and the only way to get them in is to get rid of the sand the shit yes um, not the beer because beer, you just put the stone in, you drink the beer. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's always time for beer, yeah. There's always time for beer, so mm. yeah. I mean, talking mm. of which, where is the beer?
1: Um, it's in the fridge, H boss, are yeah. We're gonna to... well, pause it quickly, yeah, and we'll fetch beer. Yeah, we'll hold my beer. No, I'll go hold my beer, bring here, ne?
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearth Cast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearth and we'll see you again real soon.